to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding I'm Dr. Golly, immigrated to the United States as a teenager, and unbeknownst to him, his future wife, Catalina was also uh, immigrating to the United States from Chile. They met in college, came to faith in Christ, got married, eventually went to school at uh, RTS Jackson, seminary at RTS Jackson. And then uh, uh, Tom served as a uh, associate pastor in Indianapolis among one of our PCA churches there in the 90s uh, prior to them going to uh, Turkey as missionaries. And then now Tom is the uh, European Director for Enterprise, which is our denomination's work among Muslim background believers in Europe. So Tom is going to be preaching here this morning from Luke chapter 5. If you'd like to turn in your Bible, that's Luke chapter 5. In the uh, Blue Pew Bibles, it's page 860, page 860. Good culmination to our uh, focus on missions this month, um, being made fishers of men. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their nets to the land, they left everything and followed him. May God add his blessing to the reading of this word. Father, we uh, praise you now for this opportunity to hear your word preached. Uh, we pray that you would uh, bless Tom with a measure of your spirit. Uh, we pray that, uh, that this word would go forth in power and that we would be Obedient to your word this morning for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. It is a real privilege for me to be here with you this morning and to bring the word of God. Um, I'm very thankful for your warm hospitality, which Murat and I have 
experienced over the few days that we've been with you for the wonderful desserts. Um, your hospitality is, is a real encouragement to us. It is my prayer as we come to the reading and hearing of God's word that we would come to Jesus as we sang this morning. Jesus, may I come. Uh, Whatever the circumstance in your life may be, let us all together come to Jesus. Amen. Now, when you hear the word you know, fundamentals, what comes to mind? Uh, Is anything possible without fundamentals? Uh, From the moment we are born, we are introduced to fundamentals in order to learn how to walk. Or before we walk, we crawl, we walk, we learn how to run, we learn how to read and write in order so that we can go to high school and from high school to college and and find work. Uh, Athletes, people who do sports, don't become great athletes or proficient in any kind of sport unless many hours have been taught and put in learning the fundamentals of a sport. And so, you know, all of us need fundamentals in order to be and exist and to be proficient and sufficient the things that we do, uh, whatever it is in life. Well, as we come to this text here, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is going to introduce them to fundamentals, three fundamental ingredients for these disciples to follow Jesus and learning how to fish for men. And so, now, whether you come to this text for the first time, or you've read it a hundred times, you cannot simply be but impressed with the incredible, powerful images that Luke creates in these 11 verses. Uh, In these 11 verses, we see a very powerful picture of the lordship of Jesus over people and creation. Uh, We deal with the implication and dilemma of unbelief in this passage. Uh, We come face to face with the need for and liberating effect of repentance. The love of God. And of course, the miraculous sketch introduces these men to the mission of Christ. Uh, Verses 10 and 11, to follow Jesus to catch men for the kingdom of God. Now, throughout all the gospel accounts, the mission of Christ is introduced early on and then emphatically repeated in their conclusions. But with the added difference that the mission of Christ now becomes the mission of the church. The people of God, it becomes our mission. And this is also the case here in Luke. So when you turn to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 24 verses 45 through 49, we read this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, 
And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And so here we have the Great Commission according to Luke. Now the question this morning is, for us, how can we as the people of God share with others the mission of Christ on a daily basis? How do we keep it alive in our hearts? How do we keep it from just becoming a mere method? Something we just scrap from our to-do list. Or from fading away in our hearts. Or for rationalizing it as something that only the gifted can do. Or the people who are called to do it. And to answer this question... We begin with the realization, understanding of three fundamental principles that drives this mission of Christ in and through us. And I believe that these principles are the key ingredients that can help us in our calling to follow Christ and embrace his mission on a daily basis. Now, verse 3 of our text gives us context. We read in verse 3, that Jesus got into one of the boats. One of the boats belonging to a particular person, Simon Peter. And it actually takes us back to chapter 4. And when you read chapter 4, you understand that Peter had already a significant relationship with Jesus. In in chapter 4, verse 38, we see that Jesus had actually been a guest at Simon Peter's house. That Peter had witnessed great miracles. Even his mother-in-law had been healed by Jesus. Various kinds of sicknesses he had healed in people as they had come to his house. He had seen how Jesus exercised power over the demonic forces that were there as well. But not only had Peter not only had Peter seen, he had heard. He had heard testimonies about this man, Jesus. Even the confession of the demons confessed, I mean, talked about Jesus as the Holy One. He had heard the confession of the crowd. The crowd talked about this Jesus as one who taught with authority and power, unlike the Pharisees. And so with this background now, you come to chapter 5. And we realize that Peter is still a full-time fisherman. And of course, there is nothing wrong with being a full-time fisherman. And we need Christians involved in as many vocations as possible. But for Peter, his vocation represented an area in his life that did not belong to Jesus. He was an expert And his expertise defined who he was. His performance, actually, as a fisherman, wasn't very important to him. And what he perceived to be an area of strength in reality was an area of weakness. That it kept him from seeing himself as he truly was. Isn't that the case for us as well? It kept him from seeing his greatest need. And therefore comes 
this astounding command in verse 4. Jesus has a purpose. He's going to do something incredible. He says to Peter, please take your boat and go fishing again. Now, you you have to understand that this command of Jesus to fish at noon was kind of an irrational command. It was foolish. And it was foolish because it was contrary to all experience. Now, imagine the beach. Thousands of people. A lot of them are fishermen. They knew that the command was very odd. Fishing at the daytime seemed highly unlikely, highly unbelievable. Jesus was asking, actually, a whole lot of Peter. He and his helpers had worked in the best places at the best time, had labored for many hours, but with absolute failure. But what do we read despite all of this? Peter obeys his master. Verse 5, Master, he says, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now the question we ask ourselves then is, why did Peter obey? Why do you think he obeyed? Did Peter obey out of a sincere feat? Faith, believing that as he pulled his boat in the water, that he was going to catch fish? Did he obey out of obligation? Did he obey out of respect for his master Jesus? Now you must understand that as people are watching Peter, wondering what he's going to do, of the tremendous cultural pressure that Jesus put upon Peter. This event did not take place in America. This event took place in the Middle East. And in the Middle East, losing face is an absolute no-no. And so Peter was had a tremendous dilemma. How do I respond to my master without him losing face? See, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And so he said, okay, I will just hope for the best. You know, but I'm not going to openly challenge Jesus here and say, look, master, I know you know a lot of things, but, you know, we're probably not going to catch fish. So he pulls his boat and he goes fishing. So Peter does reveal respect for his master. He had seen the word of Jesus in action. He knew it to be powerful and authoritative. But did he really believe he was going to catch fish? Did his partners believe he was going to catch fish? I do not think so. But you see... Jesus is not just your average Jewish rabbi. And for Peter to come to grips with his calling now to embrace the mission of Christ, his perception of himself needed to change. His perception of himself needed to change. 
Peter knew, uh, Jesus knew exactly who, who Peter was, what he was like. For those of us who have read the scriptures, Peter is a person who is portrayed to be confident, self-sufficient. Peter is an, an, an impetuous, impulsive person, always on the move, kind of like Steve Fultz with the phone, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. You know, Peter is what would be, would be today uh, to be qualified as a high, deep personality. You know, he knew what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And often he relied on his own strength. You know, and what drives these characteristics in Peter, you know, re- really reveals the, the foundational problem of pride and unbelief. And what is true for Peter is true for us. What is true for Peter is true for us. I think this is why we too sometimes have a tendency to treat Jesus as a master. Why? Well, in essence, because this master relationship is a relationship you can control. Now, I realize that I may be stretching this application a bit. But consider Peter's world, the world of of Judaism and the pharisaical system. That was Peter's world. From the the moment he had been born, he had had lived in this pharisaical world. And this, this creation of this pharisaical system was based on the premise that legalistic righteousness was possible to secure the favor of God. This is why Paul, in his pre-Christian condition, uh, challenged the Philippians to put no confidence in the flesh, even though he had much reason to put confidence in the flesh. And then he says this in Philippians 3.6, If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. That was his world. That's what he'd been taught. You could actually achieve legalistic righteousness in that kind of a system. So you do what the master requires and you're fine. You see? You come to church every Sunday, you read your Bible, you you do a good thing, you know. You're fine. You can just get off your list. But this master relationship feeds our pride, really. It feeds our ego. And it actually allows us to cover up our unbelief. It allows us to cover up our unbelief. It allows you to become what someone called a sin manager. You learn how to manage your sin. And see, the danger of sin management is, is that it prevents you from seeing as you truly are. And so now, Jesus is going to Simon Peter, think about this, by way of his greatest strength, his profession as a fisherman, what his foundational problem is, and what his foundational need is. And so exactly when the fisherman finds himself full of confidence and strength, Jesus enables Simon Peter to see himself as he truly is. And so within minutes of casting the nets, 
they catch such an enormous amount of fish, the boats begin to sink. What length Christ will go through to save us. Picture it. Jesus shows himself to be omniscient. Knowing all things, he knew the whereabouts of the fish. Jesus shows himself to be omnipotent, having unlimited power. He directed the fish to a place where they could be caught by Simon Peter and his friends. It's mind-boggling. And so when Simon Peter realizes what has happened, who made it happen, and for whom it happened, he is completely and utterly undone. He is beyond himself. He is utterly lost. And his only recourse is surrender to Jesus. And so with his unbelief completely exposed, Peter falls on his knees and he says, Lord, away from me, I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, yes, that's who you are. You are a sinful man. That's who you truly are. That's how, that's what we truly are. And so the first fundamental principle we learn from Peter's interaction with Jesus is the need for and liberating power of repentance. How can we live and share the mission of Jesus on a daily basis if we do not see ourselves as we truly are? It's going to be fake. That's not, that's not, going, to be, that's not going to be the gospel. People in need of repentance. We are people in need of repentance. And that's how we keep the mission of Christ alive in our hearts. If we humble ourselves in repentance on a daily basis. I know because I'm a sinner that I need to repent almost every day. At least my, my wife reminds me. My kids remind me. Now, second, not only that Peter's perception of himself needed to change, but his perception of Jesus needed to change in order to grasp and see the need for the second principle in his life. You see, sin management does not only keep you from seeing yourself as you truly are, but it also keeps you from discovering the real essence of the Lordship of Christ. Notice how Jesus' response to Peter's attitude of confession. Now, you must understand that Jesus had every right to walk away from Peter and cast him aside. He could have said, Peter, you are right. You do not qualify to follow me. You cannot follow me. Why don't you go home and keep being a fisherman? 
You see, God's justice and his righteousness would not have been compromised. This was God's right to judge Peter. But instead of judgment, there is mercy. Peter hears the word, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The phrase, don't be afraid, is used 175 times in the Old Testament. And it's actually the gospel cry, the gospel message of the Old Testament. God saying to his people, do not be afraid. So with these words, he's... Jesus is saying to Peter, look, Peter, I have come to bless you with my mercy. He says, Peter, I love you, and I want to show you how much I love you, and I want you to learn how to trust in my love for you. Now, that is hard. And with this response, Peter actually discovers the true essence of the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. Because the lordship of Christ, in essence, is a lordship of love. And this is the second principle we learn from Peter's interaction with Jesus. The need for and liberating power of God's love. What is the good news? The good news is that instead of judgment, there is mercy in Jesus Christ. How can we share the love of God with others, the message of Christ with others, if we do not understand it ourselves? Now, this was a very, very difficult reality for Peter to grasp. And it's very difficult for us as well. Because we know who we are. Can God love somebody like me? who fails in this area, who fails in that area, over and over and over again. Can God love me? Let's go back to Peter, for example. Let's forward the story three years, forward it three years. And you put yourself now in Peter's place. At Christ's most greatest need, Peter portrays him three times. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. Then all of a sudden these reports come. Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. And so we read, for example, in Luke 24, verse 1 through 12, a few verses, but as, as Peter Uh, And and John went to the tomb, it says, but they did not believe. Peter, however, got up, and because they did not believe the story that he had risen, Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, if you are Peter, would you be looking forward to see Christ again, knowing what had happened? Would you be jumping for joy to meet Jesus after you had actually done to him what Peter had done? Could Peter deny his own denial? And yet, what do we read in Scripture? 
Christ embraced Peter. And again, Peter had to come face to face with this principle that the lordship of Christ is a lordship of love. That's a difficult one for me. So how can we live and share the mission of Jesus on a daily basis if we do not see Jesus as he truly is? How do we keep it alive in our hearts if we do not embrace the love of God for us on a daily basis? Now the third principle is the need for and liberating power of Jesus' sovereignty and rule over all things. Peter and his disciples are not ready to become, you know, fishers of men. And hear these words. From now on you will catch men. And so they left their boats on the shore and followed him. So Peter and his friends are now called to a different vocation. And so over the next three years... Jesus was going to show them and teach them how to catch men alive for the kingdom of God. Learning to fish for men. But the key to catching was not going to be the fisherman's expertise. The key ingredient is going to be the need for faith in the power and rule of Jesus over all things. And here is one of the great purposes of this miracle. Just As Jesus had known the whereabouts of the fish, so he he knows the whereabouts of the people that he's going to save. And just as Jesus had the power to direct the fish to a particular place, Jesus has the power to direct those people to you. He can bring them to you. You know, Jesus is not asking us to save sinful people. Only God can save people from their sin. We do not have the power to save anybody. But what is Jesus calling them to do? And that's also true of our children, by the way. We're called to be faithful, but we cannot save our children. God saves our children. What is calling, you know, what is Jesus calling us to do? It is one to trust, to believe in God's rule and the power to save, and two, to exercise that faith in him as an expression of love for him and others. So Peter and these disciples are hearing says, look, it is not going to be your gifts, your talents, your skills, your knowledge, or even your desire that is going to be the key ingredient here. Even though those things are very good, And I can use those in you, but it's not going to be the key ingredient. No, the key ingredient, the foundational ingredient is putting their faith in Jesus' power to save, expressed in love for him and others. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. We can read that in Matthew 9. Paul says to the church in Galatia, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
And so over the next three years, Jesus was going to show them their, his power. He was, he was going to show them his love and teach them about faith that must find, that must find expression in him and for others. How can we live and share the mission of Jesus on a daily basis without faith in the power of God? I mean, this is so important that actually Jesus reduplicates the same miracle after his resurrection. Now, what was the purpose of that miracle three years later? Well, if you go to John 21, verses 1 through 17, you can read all about it. They are at the Sea of Galilee, and Peter says, oh, I'm going back fishing. And uh, they see a man on the shore, and they don't know who it is, but when the man on the shore says, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish, Peter realizes who it is. Takes out of his clothes, jumps in the ocean, and swims to Jesus. And what does Jesus say to Simon? Did he say to Simon, look, Simon, you have spent three years at Reformed Theological Seminary with me. You know, you have a poor point, all great point average, you know, Greek and Hebrew and, uh, you know, go plant my church. You know, you got the keys of the kingdom, go plant my church. No, he doesn't say that. You know, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Three times he asked Simon Peter. Peter, I am the key. I am the key. Not your gifts, not your desires, not your great talent. I am the key. Focus on me. And of course, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You are the great king. You are the king of kings. You have all power. You know all things. You know that I love you. Faith in the rule of God expressed in love for God and others. Now, in conclusion, briefly, notice that Jesus does not say you might or you should be involved. He says you will be involved. Notice that Jesus didn't say to Peter and he says to us today, uh, unless you have certain gifts or you have a certain personality or certain calling, that you should be involved in catching men alive for the kingdom of God. No, he said "You, you will all be involved. We will all be involved in kingdom work. Not just the staff, not just the pastor, not just those who are gifted, all of us. Because all of us have been given faith that can be expressed in love for God and for others. We can all do that.
So how can we as the people of God share with others the missions of Christ on a daily basis? How do we keep it alive in our hearts? How do we keep it from becoming a mere methodology, something that we could just check off from our to-do list, or from fading away in our hearts, or rationalizing that it's only for those who have been called and gifted, by remembering and embracing three fundamental principles that drive and fuel the mission of Christ. The need for and liberating power of repentance, the need for and liberating power of embracing God's love, and the need for and liberating power of faith in God's rule expressed in love for God and others. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I do uh, come before you again. Lord, and I can only come because I can mention Christ. I can mention the name of Jesus as my Savior. Even as Murad bore testimony to that briefly today from this pulpit. It doesn't matter who we are, whether we're American, Turkish, Belgium, whether we... Doesn't doesn't matter what kind of past we've we've had uh, or what kind of sins we've had to deal with. Lord, your love has set us free. Your work on the cross has set us free. Set us free to be real with you. Lord, we can be open and transparent with you. Because of his grace, we have been set free to, to wrestle and to embrace the love of God for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, but absolutely nothing. Lord, so many of us fear so many things. We constantly live in fear of so many things. Lord, help us not to fear. Help us not to be afraid. Help us to pray with great confidence. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thank you for this congregation. Lord, bless this congregation. May it truly be a light on a hill. In Jesus' name. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. my fears away won't you chase my fears away